There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, believers and non-believers. For the fourth season of Stories with Sapphire, I'll be releasing episodes every other week. But in the weeks in between, I'll be releasing an animated video story on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sapphire sandalo. So make sure you subscribe there as well. Now, before we begin... A word from some fellow spooky podcasters I think you'll enjoy. Hi, and thanks for checking out Drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm Cassidy. And I'm Amanda. And this is a podcast dedicated to the mysterious. Are you into conspiracy theories? True crime? Aliens? The paranormal? If so, you might be interested in our podcast, Drinking the Kool-Aid. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Just remember to keep your front door locked, your mind open, and keep keep drinking drinking the Kool-Aid. Do you like stories so scary that you can't sleep for three days? Do you like exploring the supernatural? Do you like spooky bitches? If you answered yes to any of these questions, we've got the podcast for you. Haunt her? I barely know her. Hosted by me, Zoe Knowlton. And me, Katie Groves. Together we take turns trying to scare the bejesus out of each other. But it's probably just going to be me that gets scared, to be honest. Eh. Check us out at our website for more information at www.hauntherIBarelyKnowHer.com. Stay spooky, my friends. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. In 2019, my health was not great. I had always been a pretty anxious person, but it had started to affect me physically in a way it never had before. Each trip to the doctor resulted in confused looks as to why my blood pressure was so high for my age. I remember the one time I visited my regular doctor and was seen by a physician assistant instead. I think that's what he was. Anyway... He asked how I'd been feeling, and I told him I've been feeling pretty anxious, very jittery, constantly on edge. He then prescribed to me Paxil, and that was that. And I remember thinking, really? That's it? You're not going to look more into this or do any tests or tell me to go to therapy first? You're just going to throw some pills at it and see if it does anything? I never ended up picking up my prescription. Instead, I signed up for therapy. I've always been this way, sort of wary of doctors and pharmaceuticals. No, I'm not anti-science or anything like that. I love vaccines and antibiotics. I will take certain medication if I need to, but 
I'm always weirdly hesitant to. I figured it was because my mom was the same way. If there was a natural way to cure something, like a headache or cold, she would encourage that instead. But why was she like that? As it turns out, there might be a reason. The way I see the body and spiritual connection is that the body is a divination tool in itself. This is Chriselle Valenzuela, a Filipino multidimensional medium. So everything around us is basically the universe trying to communicate to us. What sticks out to you is personal to you because it's that personal message. And so the body is just another fractal of that. If you believe in the spirit or the soul being the first expression of your energy, everything else is a manifestation or creation from that first point. And so our soul creates thoughts or beliefs, and that's what then manifests into this body. And so when I think about Western medicine, they're working from the outside in, like in the middle of this egg that we are is our soul. And you're trying to work from the outside in. it's kind of like skincare, like you don't clean your pimples from the outside in, you have to deal with the inside, right? And so that's the biggest thing for me. This is how our Filipino ancestors traditionally healed themselves from the soul outward. I never thought of my body as a divination tool before. And I think the hesitation my mom and I have towards certain pharmaceuticals is that our intuition is telling us that that will only fix a symptom, not the cause. So I had actually recorded and finished editing this episode when I interviewed Chriselle. And then she brought up all these ideas and concepts about healing that I never knew. And I had to include it in the episode. Today, I'll be sharing three stories that explore the connection between spiritual and physical sickness, along with Chriselle's take on each. Chapter 1. I Don't Want to Go with Grandpa. Submitted by Anonymous. This is a story from before I was born that my mother had told me when I was younger. This had happened to my hypersensitive aunt, who was now in her late 40s, and my grandfather, who was still thriving. I'll be sharing this from the point of view of my grandfather, who used to be a priest in New Jersey. Names have been changed for privacy. It was 1987. My first daughter, Debbie, just had her 10th birthday. A few months later, my father had passed, three weeks before Ava's, my second daughter's, birthday. She was turning seven and had a very close relationship with her grandfather. So, although we celebrated her birthday just as planned, it was a slightly somber event. The funeral was a few days later. The week after, Ava woke up in the middle of the night and ran to our bedroom, visibly shaken and upset. I asked her what was wrong, and she said that Grandpa was in her room. That took me a bit by surprise, of course, but I put on a strong, straight face and said, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's just Grandpa. She shook her head and said that she was scared because he had told her to leave with him. I didn't know what that was supposed to mean, but she was a little girl who was grieving her grandfather and nothing more. I told her that she had nothing to worry about and to go back to bed and just think happy thoughts. She didn't budge and ended up staying in our bedroom. Ava continued to sleep in our bed for the next month. At first, 
I was much more forgiving because I knew that she had been through a lot. We all had. But it got to a point where I needed her to stop this nonsense. I told her she was going to stay alone in her room and nothing would happen and that was the end of it. Look, I didn't enjoy hearing her cry herself to sleep, but I was doing what I thought was right. Ava had been sleeping by herself for about a week. I thought everything was back to normal, but she had gotten severely sick. My wife and I took both our daughters to the hospital to figure out why Ava had looked so pale and weak. The doctor told us it was pneumonia. They gave us medicine and said she would get well soon since she was a healthy little girl. After we got home, I talked with my older brother on the phone and told him about Ava's sickness and what she said about her grandfather. He laughed at me. Why didn't you believe her? You're a priest. You've experienced things like this and much worse. It's not that I didn't believe her, I said defensively. I didn't believe that her grandfather that loved her would haunt her and scare her like that. He always said he wanted what was best for her. The following day, Ava was in excruciating pain. She said she felt tearing in her stomach. I rushed her to the hospital. The doctors said they would have to x-ray her to see if there was anything inside her stomach since they couldn't find anything externally. The doctor guessed she could be starting to get cramps at an early age and gave me pain pills and instructed me to give it to her that night. That night was the first time we didn't hear her crying before bed. We figured the medication was working, but I decided I still wanted to check in on her and make sure she was okay. I went to my daughter's bedroom, but when I opened the door, Debbie ran out of the room with tears streaming down her face and had a raspy voice as if she'd been screaming for days. I went into the room and saw Ava on the bed. She looked like a corpse. Her eyes were puffy and red, her golden skin now pale. She had looked as if she hadn't eaten when she was just having dinner with us a few hours ago. I picked her up and drove straight to the church. I sat her in my office chair in the middle of my room, clearing everything else out of the way. I watched as Ava groaned and cried. A couple of hours later, that's when I heard it. Ava finally spoke. Leave me alone, Grandpa. I'm not going anywhere with you. You're scaring me. She kept telling my deceased father to get away from her because he wasn't acting himself. I held up my cross and a bucket of holy water and begged my father to leave Ava alone and that I would banish his soul to hell if he wouldn't stop bothering her. I chanted and yelled at my father for the rest of the night. When I brought her back home, I watched Ava sleep until the morning, not getting any sleep myself. When the sun came up, I brought her to the doctor to see what they would say. They said her temperature was rising very quickly and she would get better soon. Glad to see the medicine worked, they said. I smiled politely. A few weeks later, Ava was back to her usual self with her flowing hair and her golden skin. She had never quite acted the same after that incident. But we still cherish every moment we have with her because we had gotten her back and that's all that mattered. As a child, I used to get the stomach bug often. And 
I know that as a child, I was very sensitive. Everyone tells me that I would cry all the time. And so when I got to the age where I could actually remember like what my human experience was like, I was very quiet and shy and reserved because I was trying to hold back all the emotions. And so keeping myself from processing everything, because emotions are how we release. It's just a form of releasing energy. So as I was holding myself back, that's why I was having so many stomach issues because I wasn't letting myself digest and process what I was going through. I have also had a history of stomach issues, but since starting therapy, I've felt so much better. My therapist actually helped me realize the role that keeping secrets played in my family and that secrets meant holding the power. I think holding so many secrets inside of myself for years is what contributed to my digestive problems. Similarly, Ava's illness and stomach pain might have been due to the disconnect between what she was experiencing with her grandpa and how her parents were treating the situation. Once her dad truly acknowledged the presence of her grandpa's spirit, that's when she got better. Sometimes, that's all people really need is to feel heard and validated. Chapter 2. My Mother, the Healer. Submitted by Anonymous. My mother is a very spiritual Chinese person, believing in qi, afterlife, demons, and such things, so I have grown up believing in them as well. My sister and brother are both in their late 20s who both studied psychology, so they're fairly opposed to that sort of stuff. Not me, though. Anyway, my mother has strange abilities that I can't fully explain. There are two that really stand out to me. One is kind of like fortune-telling. Some people come to her for help, and she has predicted some freaky things. And the other is a healing ability. The healing thing is the one that is ingrained in my mind. This story happened when I was 10 and confirmed my belief in the supernatural. One day, I was at a school lunch break and was playing basketball with my friends. Everything was fine until I think I jumped up to reach the ball and at the same time, someone had jumped on top of me. When I landed, it was on my right ankle and it made an audible snapping sound. I started crying really hard, and I just remember the immense pain. It hurt so bad. Then, the events after it was a bit of a blur. I was taken into the office, and then a few minutes later, my mother came in. She carried me to the car, and she drove. But to a McDonald's, and sat me down inside a booth. I was still in a lot of pain and was so confused, and kept asking her, why weren't we in the hospital? She didn't hear me as she went to the counter to ask for ice water and napkins. When she got them, she ran over to me and removed my right shoe. When she removed it, I could see my ankle was all swollen and very purple and blue. My ankle was twisted weirdly and I couldn't move it without sharp pain. My vision had cleared a bit, but the pain was still there. My mother then put the ice water on the napkins and applied it to my ankle. It began to burn. My mother just closed her eyes and kept applying pressure to my ankle while holding my hand. It felt like hours of this burning and sharp pain. My mother eventually took the napkin off. I looked at my ankle and gasped. The bruise was gone, like 
disappeared. And so was the pain. I then looked at the tissue and started shaking. The white McDonald's napkin was now blue and purple. I was looking at my mother the whole time. The color wasn't a bright blue like pen ink. It was muddy. There's no way she just splashed ink on the napkin because I would see and feel her taking the napkin off my ankle. She couldn't have had ink in her hand because the color hadn't gone all the way through the napkin. I just stared at my mother in shock and amazement. She just smiled and asked me if I was feeling better. Later that day, we went to the hospital to get some x-rays and everything was fine. I don't know how my bruise disappeared, leaving nothing on my ankle for the next few days. It was as if it was sucked out of my body. To this day, I can't find an explanation for this. We've all heard the cliche inspirational quotes, mind over matter, pain is all in the mind. And it is true, the brain is where we interpret pain as pain. There have been many studies that show that certain meditations can actually reduce pain. But surely this can only take you so far, right? You can't simply think away a broken ankle. Can you? That's what I had always thought before I heard stories like this. Or from Nita Gunkaiko from Season 3, Episode 1, and Gurley from Season 1, Episode 4. Both of them also shared stories of how their family would treat sprains, wounds, and breaks with a poultice and a prayer. So I have heard of these kind of stories, um, and I've heard of them in the context of theta healing. So if you're familiar with the different brainwave states, theta healing is also considered the God state, where you're connected with the creator and that you can have instantaneous healing. I've read about theta healing and I'm still trying to like wrap my head around how is this possible? (laughs) I've used theta healing to process different beliefs within myself, but when it comes to physical healing, it's a process of working through the beliefs that limit you from believing that instantaneous healing is possible. So when I think about Filipinos that do it, there's so much faith in the ablon or the different spiritual healing practices that they're already a step closer than the Western medicine mind people. Even if the pain leaving her ankle in the story was simply a placebo effect from watching her mother perform this ritual, it still worked. Her ankle was fine. And look, there are definitely situations where you should absolutely go to a hospital immediately. All I'm saying is that maybe the human mind and body is so much more capable of healing itself than we give it credit for. We can literally do anything. And so for my birthday, my husband got me this this energy healing book. And I forget what it's called. I think it's called like Subtle Bodies. And I was just reading through it. And for the most part, it was really validating about the like physiological connection to spiritual healing. But then I started coming across this section that was about um, when you can transcend the limits of your mind, what can happen? And it was levitation and like teleporting. And I was like, I am going to meditate the out of my mind until I can do that. 
Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Chapter 3. What's Become of My Stepmother? Submitted by Shadow Dexter. When I was five years old, I had appendicitis. My appendix ruptured and was pouring the toxins into my bloodstream, and no doctors except for one in town knew what was wrong with me. It wasn't until later that I found out that I actually died a couple times on the operating table. But needless to say, being stubborn and my father's son, I pulled through. It was in the hospital that my father met my stepmother, well, now former stepmother. We'll call her Alice. She was my nurse in the children's ward. I was in that hospital for almost a year as the toxins were being worked out of my bloodstream. Fast forward to when I was six and my father married Alice. They bought a house in Sheridan, Wyoming that was built as a boarding house in 1905. As a child, the place was great. I shared the biggest room with my biological brother and my stepbrother. I was the youngest of five kids in the house, so I got picked on quite a bit. But things started to get weird when my dad started remodeling the place, ripping up the carpet, tearing down the old plaster walls, changing the electrical wiring so it was up to code. You know, just the usual stuff that comes with an old rundown house. We discovered some really weird things during all this construction. We found some old skeleton keys hidden in a wall, an old laundry chute that had a little girl's dress stuck in it, a wall downstairs in the basement that hid a large dirt plot with a massive nest of brown recluse spiders. This house was so old, it even had a coal chute. There was also a white door at the bottom of the steps in the basement. Not aged paint like the rest of the doors in the basement. It was fresh. So weird. And this black, sticky stuff was poking out around it on all sides. Kind of like tar, but it never seemed to dry. It wasn't mold, either. I still don't know what was behind that door, because it would not open. And my dad tried everything. 
He even pulled the doorknob off, the hinges, put a 3,000-pound come-along to it, and still it would not budge. The jury's out on whether or not this was a good thing or a bad thing. Then the remodeling upstairs started. It was one day in the summertime when I was about nine. I was running in and out, in and out, in and out, and I went upstairs to grab a squirt gun from my room. And there was a black figure standing in the hallway. I ran downstairs, terrified, and told Alice about it. She said it was just a shadow coming from the tree outside. That tree was basically dead and had no branches to cast shadows into the room. I didn't feel safe in that room after that. And it turns out I wasn't the only one seeing these things. My biological brother said he saw a girl standing in his room, and when he asked who she was, she smiled and then vanished. Then my stepsister saw a dark figure looming over her bed while she slept. But these weren't even the worst things. See, this whole time we were changing our home, it seemed as though Alice was also changing. She developed a habit of staying up for three or four days straight, then sleeping for seven. She would pace the hallways and through the house at night with a knife and stab the doors randomly. It terrified us but my dad said she was just going through menopause. I didn't know what the hell menopause was, but I chose to believe my dad. One of the creepier nights was when Alice was in the kitchen, and my dad, my siblings, and I were in the living room. We could hear Alice talking in the other room. My dad went to the kitchen and asked her who she was talking to. The kids, she said matter-of-factly. The kids are in the living room, hon, he replied. Not those kids, she said. These kids. She gestured with her arm to the empty chairs around her. She was losing it. It got to the point where I started barricading my door at night out of fear for my safety. My dad still insisted this was menopause. Fast forward to when I was 13 and sleeping in my own room now since I was the last kid in the house. I barricaded my door as usual and climbed into bed. I woke up in the middle of the night to the sounds of my doorknob being jostled. Then I heard Alice's voice say, I can't get in. He blocked the doorway. Then loud thumps as she stabbed the door. Fast forward to when I was 14. Alice kicked me out of the house, saying the devil was in me. It was after I left that my dad confessed something to me. Alice had pushed him down the stairs into the basement, and he found himself stuck, laying at the bottom, unable to move. And a black figure loomed over him, leaning closer, trying to reach out and touch him. This all might sound out there to you, but it haunts me to this day. Recently, I went back to my hometown because my biological brother killed himself. Not sure why. No, no, nothing. But I went to that house and asked the current owners about things. Well, this time of year, the only major wind comes from storms coming down the mountains. They said they were watching TV one night, and suddenly all the bedroom doors just slammed shut, and the cabinets in the kitchen flew open, and they heard loud banging coming from the basement. They walled off that large dirt path again, though. They also claimed to have been finding holes carved into walls and their oldest daughter has been acting strange. The doctors tell them it's bipolar depression, 
but I told them about how my stepmom changed in that house and about the figures that we saw. They decided to call in a priest. I don't know what happened after that or if they still live in that home. I don't really like visiting my hometown ever since my brother died. But I hope that whatever is there doesn't hurt anyone else again. In order for us to interact with spirits, we have to be on the same vibration. And because we ebb and flow from different vibrations, when we are sleeping, our vibration drops. And so that that's when we're the most vulnerable. But in general, because we're not taught really about boundaries, we're kind of taught to like, <laughs> it's kind of messed up, right? Because we're taught to give all of ourselves until we have no more to give and that we have to do everything in our power to help other people. We're taught really bad practices in guarding our own personal boundaries. So if you go into a house that already has this energy connected to it, that's particularly low vibration, then you're just making your, you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. And so it's really easy for you to have a spirit attachment in that situation. And what's happening is a spirit attachment. And what happens with spirit attachment is that basically like a succubus and they're sucking your energy and keeping you at their level. The dad in the story was insistent that Alice's behavior was from menopause, while Shadow didn't seem to think that was the case. But what if both were true? What if Alice's menopause and the daughter's bipolar depression somehow lowered their vibration to the point where they were more vulnerable to the entity within the house? I am by no means saying that anyone with any conditions or disorders will automatically become victims. But it is a reminder that sometimes our physical body can weaken our spiritual self. So we need to be aware of that as well. I opened this episode explaining how I don't like taking pharmaceuticals. So I feel a little hypocritical that I now rely on daily medication for my high blood pressure. But I've come to learn that treating illness isn't simply about traditional versus modern or Eastern versus Western. It's about how to use the best of all worlds. I still don't think the pill I'm taking will cure the cause of my hypertension, but it will keep the physical symptoms at bay so that I can better focus on healing my soul. Our health depends on our physical, mental, and spiritual well-beings. So don't forget to take care of all three in the way that works best for you. Thank you for joining me today. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to see the different tiers and perks like live watch parties or private tarot readings. And don't forget to subscribe to youtube.com slash Sapphire Sindalo, where I post an animated spooky story every other week. If you'd like to submit a story, send it to storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Special thanks to Shadow Dexter and Chriselle Valenzuela. Music written by Sapphire Sandalo. For more information on this episode and my guest, visit storieswithsapphire.com.